the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your life wondered about eternity? And if you can actually be certain of your eternal destiny? My name is Dudley Rutherford, and I'm the pastor at Shepherd Church located right here in Los Angeles. You're listening to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. And you'll find us every weekday, Monday through Friday, at 7 p.m. on KKLA. We're going to spend about 30 minutes looking into God's Word to explore important questions, such as what is eternity? Who is Jesus? What does it mean to be saved? And where is God when I'm suffering? These are topics that we discuss each and every weekend at Shepherd Church. I'd love for you to come and visit us sometime at one of our three locations, Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, or Aqua Dulce. Check out our website at liftupjesus.com to learn more about who we are as a church, our locations, and our service times. That's liftupjesus.com. We are a multiracial, multigenerational church that is built on biblical preaching, dynamic worship. We have ministries for every stage of life you may be going through. So be sure to bring your friends and your family members. Join us at Shepherd Church and right here at liftupjesus.com. Be sure to stick around until the end of today's program because I have some important information that I want to share with you. Let's jump right in to today's message. Today, I want to uh, talk to you about a compelling story, which is your testimony, your testimony. And I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, today just simply reading the Word of God. Just, we're just going to read the Bible, amen? And uh, in our attempt, and I believe it's the call of God upon our church, uh, to reach people with the gospel, there are many ways, I mean numerous ways, to lead someone to Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of methods to do that. But by far, the most effective method to reach someone with the gospel is by the sharing or the telling of your testimony. When you explain, when you explain to a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a stranger, what God has done in your life, Somehow that relates to them, and they start to think, if God can change your life, that perhaps He can change their life. And the truth is, I want you to write this down, if God can change your life, which He has, then God can change anyone's life. Amen? So this is a very, 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 very simple sermon today. I just want to teach you what a testimony is. A testimony is made up of three parts. There's the before part, before you met Christ, what your life was like before you became a Christian. Part two is how did you meet Christ? 
How did Christ find you? How did this relationship begin? And the third part is what has happened in your life since you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? It's very simple. The before, I was lost. I was lonely. I was, I was depressed half the time. Had no purpose in my life. Nothing seemed to ever fulfill me. I got wrapped up in the things of this world. Perhaps I got addicted to some sin. I just kind of going through life. No meaning, no purpose. But deep, deep down, I was missing something. I didn't even know what I was missing. And then you explain how you became a Christian. Something happened. Whatever happened, however, however you found Christ, however that process took place, but you ended up coming to church. I came for 10 years and it was like the last verse, something came over me and I stepped forward and I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I was baptized. And since then, my life is completely changed. I don't know why it took me so long. I didn't know why I didn't do it the first time I ever heard. I don't know why I spent so much of my time over there, what I could have spent my time over here. Now I wake up every day with a purpose. I wake up every day with a reason to live, to share my faith and to let, let Christ work through me. So that, that is a testimony. It's very, very simple. And I want to look at the Bible at a compelling testimony of a man named Saul. Now, I just explained to you what a testimony is. Now we're going to look at a testimony of a man named Saul. I want you to see what his life was like before he met Christ. I want you to know how he met Christ. And I want you to know what happened to him after he met Christ. First of all, write this down. What was his life like before he met Jesus Christ? What was Saul's life like before he met Christ? And I want you to take your Bibles and turn again to Acts chapter 8. Now, very, very important for any, anyone here today who wants to study the Bible. Anytime you read a chapter and you want to know what's going on in that chapter, you really need to know what happened in the chapter before. You need to know the context when you just can't pull a verse out or pull a chapter out if you don't understand the context. So in order to understand chapter 8, you've got to go back and look at the last eight verses of chapter 7, which we're not going to put up on the screen, but I will tell you what happens. The last few verses of chapter 7, the very first Christian was martyred for his faith. His name was Stephen. It's the very first Christian man, Christian man who dies for his faith. That's the last part of chapter 7. It's horrible. Look at chapter 8, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul was there and saw it and did this. You guys that took his life, this was a good, you did the right thing. Because this Christianity stuff is a farce. And it's not of God. And on that day, verse 1, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the Judea and Samaria and verse 2 godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him but Saul look here verse 3 this is before he became a Christian Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house he dragged off men and women and put them where into prison so here's this man Saul like a killer wolf ravaging the flock of Jesus Christ with intense hatred and zeal he's going house to house and he's not selling encyclopedias he's not taking a poll or doing a survey he's not handing out literature he's going from house to house from synagogue to synagogue from apartment 
to apartment and he's dragging off men and women and putting them into prison trying to destroy the church and obliterate Christianity off the face of this earth. That's what he's trying to do. That's before he met Christ. But then the second part of his testimony is he meets Christ. Write that down. He meets Christ. You say, what in the world? How did... You're talking about this guy becomes a Christian? How is that even possible? Look at chapter 9, the first word, meanwhile. While God was doing his thing, chapter 9, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners back to where? Back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. Verse 4 He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Well, I thought thought he was persecuting the church. I thought he was persecuting men. I thought he was persecuting women. I thought he was persecuting people who belong to the way. But he hears this voice, and the voice says, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. He wasn't persecuting the church. He was persecuting Jesus. And he said in verse 6, Now get up, get up, get up, and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Well, let me tell you, when Jesus gets involved, all things are possible. Now I'm going to read through this quick because I just want you to see what happened. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, I should say so. They heard the sound, but they they couldn't see anyone, verse 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus, a man named Saul, for he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to the saints in Jerusalem, and he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I've chosen this man to preach the gospel to Gentiles and to the nation of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, don't lose the irony there. 
Saul is on this way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Why? If he got his mitts on Ananias, Ananias is number first person he's going to take back to Jerusalem. And now he's been struck blind. He's been led into Damascus by his hand. And God touches Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to go talk to Saul. And I want you to let him know that the persecution that he's been causing upon the church of Jesus Christ, that he himself is now about to have to suffer because of my name. Don't lose the irony of that. And all God's people said. Verse 17, when Ananias went to the house and entered it, I think he tiptoed in there. (laughs) Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. Boy, you talk about a step of faith. Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And immediately something like scales from Saul's eyes fell and he could see again. And he got up and he was what? I mean, he just gets right up and gets baptized. Nowhere nowhere in the Bible do we find someone getting saved and waiting six weeks or six months or six years to be baptized. Now you would think, well, this, he needs to do this, but this is not that important. He immediately was what? And after taking some food, he regained his what? I want to ask you a question. Don't you think there were a lot of Christians that were scared to death of Saul? I mean, you just saw Ananias' response. But don't you also believe that even as Christians were hiding, that there were some who were praying, Lord God, is it possible this man who's been destroying the church, is there any way he could become a Christian? Don't you think there had to be some believers praying that Saul would become a believer? And see, there's a difference. Not all of us do that. that. There's all kinds of people, again, that are not saved that you get upset about, and you shouldn't be upset. You should be praying that that person comes to put their faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to write this down. Write this down. Don't ever think that someone is beyond God's grace. Don't ever think that anyone is beyond God's reach. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. If Saul, the guy who was destroying the church, if he could meet Jesus, if he could be saved, listen, anybody can be saved. Number three, write this down. No no two stories are alike. I just read to you Saul's story. We just read it. It's his story. But you have a story. And just like your thumbprint, your story is unique. Your, what you were like is different than everyone. We're all different. And you met Christ somehow. Now your life is different. But no two stories are alike. I want you to see Saul's life before Christ, how he met Christ. And write this down. Don't write Christ. Write after salvation. Well, the first thing we find there in the end of verse 19, Saul spent several days with the in they had to be thinking they had to be thinking is this the same guy every person should be thinking that about you when you get saved was this is this the same guy this the same guy that was at work last week You see, that's why your testimony, your story of how God changed your life is the greatest evidence for the reality of Jesus Christ. 
Hey, we're going to take just a little time out, a little break here, and I'm going to share with you a testimony of a friend of mine named Frank Sontag. A story, a personal testimony of a man who was wrapped up in the things of this world. You would have thought that no way could God ever reach a guy like this, and yet God touched his heart and turned his life completely upside down. Enjoy this testimony by Frank Sontag. I'm Frank Sontag. I uh, host a radio program locally on 99.5 KKLA, and I've been a congregant at Shepherd Church. It's probably been about five years now. Uh, In 1984, I bought a motorcycle, and uh, in June of 84, I was involved in a motorcycle uh, accident, crash not far from here. Caused me to really ask some of the deeper questions in life. Why am I here? Who am I? And shortly thereafter, on a radio program locally, on a rock station, I heard a guy talking about spirituality and meaning in life. And I didn't know at the time, but he was a a very prominent New Age teacher in Southern California. Uh, I began to mentor under him. And in the uh, summer of 87, I took over his radio program. And I became somebody that identified myself as a New Age teacher. And I was fully entrenched in my own self-identity of this spiritual teacher. And I knew if I asked some of those deeper questions, uh, that persona may have been something I had to give up. And I didn't want to give it up because, again, I was living for me in my sin, in full rebellion against God. About three years before I had a moment I'm going to describe, uh, my best friend, uh, he called me one day and said he'd become a Christian. I, I had this thought I didn't want to lose my best friend, that he was going to somehow be a Jesus freak and all of this. Well, for three years, um, he didn't become any of that. In fact, his older brother, who was an evangelical pastor, also kind of befriended me. And for three years, uh, they just kind of loved on me. So it went something like this. We're playing golf, uh, which I think is an evil game anyway. Trying to hit that little white ball around. Time went by. We decided to quit after nine. uh, And we sat down for lunch. And for two and a half hours, they hammered me with the gospel. And I sat and listened and took it because of the three-year time period previous to that where I knew they really loved me. And so I respected them, and I knew they respected me, so I listened. And at the end of two and a half hours, and they shared some scripture, and they shared who Jesus was, and Pastor Dale leaned into me, and he said something that rocked my world. He said, Frank, if you don't make it home today, like you should not have made it home 25 years ago on that motorcycle, are you right with God? And I was almost speechless, and he said, would you sit in your car before you drive home and meditate on that? Whenever somebody air quotes, you know, he air quoted, meditate. I was a meditation teacher. I knew he was taking a little stab at me, but because I knew he loved me, I said, okay. And then shortly thereafter, I heard a voice that was undeniable that said, are you ready to submit to me? I had complete free will. I didn't feel coerced. I said, yes. And he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Everybody watching this, 99.5% of you know, oh, that's, that's in Luke. That's in the Bible. I had no clue. Shortly thereafter, I pick up my phone and I call my friends and I said, first words out of my mouth, I think I want to go back to church. 
and I knew something had happened because it had been 37 years. You couldn't drag me into a church. So when I became a Christian and I gave my life to the Lord, um, I had no idea what that meant. But shortly thereafter, I recognized Jesus isn't some spiritual life coach where he's going to give you 10 steps to have a fulfilling and happy life and everybody's going to love you. Um, He hung on a cross for the salvation of the world. So I began to recognize a, a deep level of a responsibility to not only know him and get deep in his word, but to evangelize. And there's lots of ways to do that. Sometimes it's just the way we walk. Sometimes it's literally sitting down with somebody, getting to know them, praying with them. But we are the church, and the world needs a Savior. So for me, there isn't a time where I wake up in the morning, I don't say thank you for waking me up. I want to serve you today. And I know that part of that service is about sharing who he is, sharing the gospel We have a responsibility as Christians. We have a blessing as Christians. And my goodness, you you don't have to be a talk show host or the president of a a ministry that is about to lead a a gathering of men across the country. You can be a housewife. You can be just a dude that's unemployed or whatever God has his divine appointments for you. He wants to use you right where you are. And my goodness gracious, if we can impact one changed life by pointing them to the cross of Christ, um, we all yearn for that moment where we stand in front of him. We want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say, praise God, I can be one man that can do that, knowing that he's the only answer. Aren't you encouraged by Frank's story, a man who was in Hollywood, a man who was doing secular radio, and now he does a show on the largest Christian radio program in the world? Only God could dream up something like that, correct? And if God can change his life, then God can change your life. And maybe you're out there right now, you've watched this program, and you find yourself in a really, really bad place. And inside, you're empty. Inside, you feel like you have no place to go. Maybe you're so discouraged, you don't even know where to turn. In today's broadcast, this message, this testimony, I believe that God is speaking to your heart for you to turn your life over to the Lord. And I know that if you'll turn your life over to God, if you'll seek Him, if you'll surrender your life to Him, as God changed Frank's life, God will change your life right now. I just want to pray for you right now, okay? I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for that person who God needs to turn your life around. Father God, thank you for today's broadcast. Thank you for what you did in Frank's life. And I pray for that person who's listening right now, God, who just deep down, they're drowning, they're discouraged, they're depressed, and they don't know where to turn, God. I pray that today they will turn to you and that, God, that you will bring them life, eternal life, God, that you will put salvation inside of them and that from this day forward, all the days of their life, God, they will serve and honor you with all of their heart, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed right prayer with me right then, I need to hear from you. I need to know that this broadcast in some way touched your heart. So pick up a phone, call us right now. Let us know what God is doing in your life. 
And if you'd like to get a copy of this book called Compelled, today's message and other messages are based from this book and the Bible. You're going to hear story after story of how God changed people's life. And as he changed their life, I know he can change yours. Get a hold of us right now. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And remember, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, don't forget to always lift up Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. If you've enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to visit us at liftupjesus.com. Sign up for our monthly devotional. It's absolutely free. And you have to love free. Say amen if you like free. We'll send it to you via email right to your inbox and you'll be blessed and encouraged. I also want to encourage you to join us at Shepherd Church this weekend at one of our three campuses. If you do not have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us here at Shepherd, either at Porter Ranch Campus, the Woodland Hills Campus, or up there in Aquadulce. Visit our website at liftupjesus.com to learn more about Shepherd Church, our locations, and our service times. And if you feel led to support us in this radio outreach to Los Angeles, I invite you to partner with us. Go to the website liftupjesus.com and help us reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is people like you and gifts like yours that enable this radio program to exist. For a financial gift of any amount, we will send you our anchored Bible study journal. The journal features a Bible reading plan, a page to journal for every day of the year, There are thought-provoking questions and inspirational quotes that will take you deeper into God's Word. You can call us toll-free at 888-818-4777 or visit our website at liftupjesus.com. We'd love to hear from you and remember to meet me, Pastor Dudley Rutherford, here every weekday at 7 p.m. at KKLA as we continue to lift up Jesus.